Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. All right, Talking Power Podcast, episode 126. We're rocketing right along here, and I've got we've got a full studio at this podcast. A full house. A full house. I'm joined by co-host Todd Brinkworth over there, Simon Gonzo Travellini, and we've got Brendan Franklin in the studio as well for this podcast. Welcome along, guys. I'm making yeah. my, my comeback tour. Your comeback <laughs> tour. It's good to have you, everyone back here. We've, yeah. we've, uh, we've had a bit of a hiatus, so uh, it's good to have everyone back. Yeah. What have you guys been up to? Am I going first? Yeah, you're going first. Uh, just what? Boring, wasn't it? Trying to avoid getting arrested in your V6 <laughs> yeah, it's, Corolla. It, look, it's been everywhere, let's be honest. <laughs> I think it's got a Toyota badge on the front. Because the, um, the actual radar cruise control is behind that badge, so I can't replace that badge <laughs> or anything else. Um, yeah, I have thought about it, don't worry. Because it looks like it's an infinity. Kind of. <laughs> it's a unique badge just for that car. Just for five years, I made their own badge for that car. But, um, was Toyota embarrassed? Or? I, I, don't, I don't think so, hey. <laughs> Is that what it was? But, um, yeah, it's, that car has had more, more photos taken of it than my Evo, my old 300ZX, so my that, old Datsuns. It's, it's like the showstopper. The elephant in the room. When's it heading to the motorplex? I don't know. Soon, actually. I'm thinking about it. I know what it's going to do. I know exactly what it's going to do, but I'm just going to take it down there for a laugh just for the... A 14.6 is my prediction. Wow. Boy, wow. Bang on, 14.6. It's quicker than a GT. Yeah, it is. It is. I was just <laughs> about to say. Debut at the Osmond Park show. Yes. It's good to have you along there, Tom. Many, many a head scratch. Yeah. There were some very, very nice cars there. But there I, was a lot of cars there, yeah. Yeah, but I, there, I didn't have a lot of head scratching. They walk up and go, oh, what's this about? Then have a look underneath the bonnet and go, oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I think that was a comment of the day, eh? Oh, yeah. they, were they competing against the VR3 Volkswagens or something? I've got no idea, to tell you the truth. VR6, just sorry, some, VR6. Yeah, just some weird VR3 times two. Corolla thing. The spicy Corolla, as it's called. But yeah, that's spicy that. Spicy Corolla? Yeah. That's the nickname for it, the spicy the Nando's Corolla. Corolla. But that's about it. Just been taking that out to a few shows and kicking around. Just get Perry Perry on the plates or something. Nah. <laughs> How about yourself, Brendan? What are you, I know you've been really busy. You just you maybe want to give our listeners a bit of a heads up on some of the videos that are rolling out soon. Yes, yeah, so I'm backed up for, for months on on content, but just trying to get the most recent stuff out. So the videos from Golden States mm. a couple of weeks ago are starting to come out now so there'll probably be one pretty much every every night this week I think try and get them out before the Nitro Max round this weekend oh good so, some big upsets yeah, big upsets is it? Like, I, I wish I wish I uh, I wish I went down because it looked like it was really good racing the racing was good yeah yeah um, I think yeah the biggest upset I can think of was probably Zap crossing the centre line early on and knocked him out yep yep it was good though like I went through the pits just on that and um, he was out there you know didn't go hide away in the truck he was out there signing all the stuff all the merch for all the kids and hanging around yeah it was good to see Pino Priolo giant slayer Mm, yeah Pino's back love that car The the timing was well. I actually rolled out a podcast last week where I caught up with Pino three years ago now, and uh, we rolled that interview out. I had a lot of feedback about that actually, catching up with Pino. So that was the timing was impeccable. It wasn't planned either. Yourself, Simon, what have you been up to? 
I've, I've been ill, but my, my youngest child's been very, very ill for the last couple of months, so I've had to take some time mm. off, off from the podcast and also from work to care for him. But it looks like he's um, turned a corner, so fingers crossed. Um, we've still got another six to 12 weeks of uncertainty um, ahead of us, but <clears throat> yeah. That's oh, good. It's good to hear he's turned the corner. I just want to do some shout-outs here. Some listeners of the podcast, Giovanni, um, Grant Hasler, Jaron Good, um, they're really great listeners of ours and uh, going through some tough times at the moment. So our thoughts and prayers are with those guys at the moment and uh, we sincerely hope that they get through the next, the next few... The ne- they need to navigate through the next few months and uh, we hope to see them uh, very soon. Tuning into the podcast once again. Big shout out to those guys. We're thinking of you guys and uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you at this time. Xbox was auctioned last Tuesday night for 499000 including a buyer's premium. Uh, two days later... Um, it was they worked out basically a lot of people there was a system glitch and a lot of people weren't able to bid so they re-auctioned the car two days later and uh, the car sold for 860000 so obviously Chris Chris Mead and the team at Xbox are a lot, lot happier with that result so yeah but I mean it still, it still shows the, the true value of the car considering that the Brock Commodore went for 1 point, 1 1.1 <laughs> Yeah, well, we've seen we've seen we've seen HOs and whatnot go. You know, VK with the stock three hundred eight went for one point one. I think the market. I think the point you're trying to make there is the market is in the unique uh, or the, the the collector cars that have that have racing history or no or no no. My point is, uh, someone put a modular motor in in a big Oh, here we go. <laughs> but anyway, hello to Chris. Yeah, but hello, Chris. Tune in, Chris. This will be the last podcast Chris tunes into. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, we'll say half, some of us in the room are fans, okay? Let's put it that way. I, I, I like the car, okay? I've seen it. I went and paid money to see it at Claremont once. Did like, you? I did really appreciate the work that went into it. Like, I mean, there's show cars and then there's show cars. Yep. And there was <clears throat> just an extra level of detail in that car. 100%. The but, workmanship is, uh, you know, awesome. But, and what, what sold it for me was there was videos of it being driven on and off trailers. Which and time? The, when it went for four ninety nine, or for, when it went for 60 Jesus, you're leaving a garden path, aren't you? Should I, should I just see myself out or what? It's sold. No, I didn't buy it. I didn't win power. Anyway, there. it's going to be auctioned. It has been auctioned. So you could end up with Xbox for, what, $50? Something like that. Right. I will get myself a ticket. All right. I mean, it's it is one hundred percent engineered, so it could be mm. registered anywhere in Australia. Oh, there you go. Mm. So um, that is one thing that it, it has definitely got going for it. Mm. Anyway, we're going to take a short break here, and we'll be back with more. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Hopefully, Chris, Chris is <laughs> still maybe missing Simon. We might be used to sort of few cast members, but we'll come back in a minute, eh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back right after this. All right, Talking Power Podcast, episode 126. Just in case you missed it, the Bathurst 1000 has been run and won for 2021. Um, magnificent race. 
Um, I want to talk more about the media side of things in the Bathurst 1000 this year rather than the race itself. I mean, yeah, we can talk about the race itself, but I thought... Um, I, I want to talk... I'm not going to do this in any particular order here, but first things first. Like, How do you think Sean Seymour handled himself during the press conference during the during the week when the launch of the Gen I'm not going to go in any particular order, but this is really something I want to talk about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But do you think... I mean, to be fair to Sean Seymour, that press conference was hijacked. Oh, yeah. A- and... Are we going to get caught up in the paddle shift debate? I mean... Paddlegate. Yeah. Paddlegate. <laughs> so a decision will be made in two weeks, but he got upset with some of the journos that kept going back, circling back to the paddle shift discussion. And, uh, you know, he got he got quite upset with the line of questioning. What I, what I don't get overall, right, mm. is it's the car of the future. Mm. And it literally is titled the car of the future or whatever, right? Mm. And it's not electric. Yeah, <laughs> that's 2024. Um, they, um, like, it's not like all the journalists being about this new Gen 3 car is going to stop, stop being released. Like, what are we going to run around ne- in next year then, you know? But why is it a big deal? Ask the journalists. I, I mean, uh, the paddle shift is an interesting one because it works well on an open wheeler where you, you only have you know yeah half a turn lock yeah um i i don't know i don't know how much lock john bow's car when he used to race he used to run a really fast rack because he was used to driving open wheelers yeah i think it's something like that but i don't know how much lock these things have nowadays i don't think it's a hell of a lot more than that to be honest with you but i i didn't quite i, I can kind of see where he was coming from i think the 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 launch was for Gen 3, which will be 2023. So we're still going to be running around with these cars next year in 2022. With, with those bodies? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's still, so it's still going to be ZBs and, and, and Mustangs for next year. The Gen 3 won't be uh, ready till 2023. The point that, that I think he was upset with was that the paddle shift decision has been put back for another two weeks. So there'll be a decision on the paddle shift in two weeks' time. Does that change... Are people going to stop watching the sport if we go to a paddle shift? No. No. no I don't think so either. I think no, what's so done what is, is done. So what was the big deal about the Well, a lot, of people, a lot of people believe that the paddle shift is the make or break. And I, and I don't believe it is. <laughs> As opposed to a sequential. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't believe it is. And then the other line of questioning, a lot of yeah, people... You know, if anything, if anything, the sequential will be easier to drive than the paddle shift. Yeah. Because if you've got to make a sway bar adjustment or whatever, you've got that hand free. When you've got the paddle shift, you know, you've got to, you've got to deal with it unless they make it a, a one-handed up or down type yeah. deal, which I guess they could. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to make it. But, but, but you know what? It does open the floodgates for cheating. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, because if you've got an electric over pneumatic or hydraulic or whatever or a solenoid actuated system you know unless you're going to watch the footage of every driver and that's assuming every driver's got a uh, camera in the car you don't really know whether the the ecu made the shift yeah or, or um hence why we used to have the pneumatic rule in drag racing where you weren't allowed to have any solenoids mm. 
Yeah, I certainly don't think it's a talking point at a press conference where you release at Bathurst. I, I didn't think it was anyway. But anyway, I mean, obviously. I think Roland Dane weighed in on it as well because one of the suggestions was, was leaving the sequential stick there but having it paddle shift, having electric switches at the bottom of the sequential gear stick, which is just ridiculous. As he said, it wiped the... The, the the fans for at the end of the day if you're gonna yeah. make a paddle shift just leave it buttons yeah or if you're gonna leave it sequential leave it sequential what did you guys think about the um, the tire issues I heard all sorts of <laughs> discussions throughout the race about what was causing the tires to, to blow out but I didn't hear a single person say maybe too much negative camber <laughs> well hang on opening laps I mean sorry are you jumping out of water here there was no water no, no there was the no opening laps power steering failures because they're running too much camber on the racks oh, did you really? miss all that or but that's that's been I a saw problem the power steering failure i did see but yeah. i didn't hear that was related and then so then they um a lot of the teams actually obviously took some turn out of the rack or something i don't know what they did or put some more bar in i don't know how it quite works but then i mean i was talking to you and nick online remember yeah and yeah nostradamus predicted that there was gonna be tire blowouts towards the end of the race because they were cooking the tires but svgs blew quickly I mean, they did a tire yeah. change, and that was that was cooked. That thing, you were spot on. You said he was going to cook. Yeah. He was going to cook those tires. He literally baked them like they were gone. But you also got to remember, yeah, but were they super softs? I don't think they were. No, I don't think so. It's even though it was like oh, what 24, 25 degrees there yesterday. It was a mild day. It was, but it's still summer. And trust me, I've been but there. You could see air under the outside edge of the yeah. tire. It's a lot of negative camber. There would have been some track temp in there as well. But that's been an issue that supercars have faced for a long time. They love running the negative camber, even at Barbagella. They love hoiking those wheels up. Yeah, anyway, it's it's a a good point. I found it interesting, Bruce McEvaney did the... You know the sport has made it. Once Bruce McEvaney's called in to do the intros and the promos... Oh, it's just special. Sports made it. I'm telling you. <laughs> you think about in Australia, there's the amount of sports that have Bruce McEvaney doing the intro. It's the AFL and the Melbourne Cup. Now it's bad. Yeah, it's just special. It is special. I was, I was, <laughs> I was really happy to hear his voice do the promos and the intros. It's a pity he wasn't there, but anyway. That's, <laughs> he wasn't yeah. there. <laughs> he was in his condo in the, you know, the Gold Coast somewhere, you know. It's just special. Mount Panorama, just special. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, Jamie Winkup inducted into the Hall of Fame as well, presented by the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. Do you reckon he got a bit of a hurry up there? His speech wasn't all that awe-inspiring, was it? I didn't say much of the, that speech. Cause, uh, oh, you, would, I don't you, think you blinked, you missed it. Beaches yeah. are ever awe-inspiring. <laughs> no, they're not. Come on, the Kiwis, yeah. No, 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 this is Jamie Winkup. This is Jamie yeah. Oh, Winkup, sorry, yeah, sorry. He's inducted into the Hall of Fame, but I, I didn't, didn't find it. Yeah, I think he was hurried up a bit by the festivities or yeah the, or well Scramway was there i mean you know the head of head of the country mm. yep yeah. yep yep did the obligatory lap with mark scaife as well again that you know that's like the third time he's done that mm. but everyone lost their minds this year about it they're like what's he doing in the car with scaifey i'm like it's the third freaking year they've done it but why what was what were people getting upset about the if you did they should have had albanese there as well <laughs> yeah in his camry you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> no in a tesla yeah get it right nick no, I, I don't know. Everyone just was getting real upset that he... How come he gets a lap of the track and what makes him so special? Or, but you know, he, he's damned if he, do, <laughs> you know, yeah. if he doesn't, then he would be... You know, people would have a go at him for not giving it a go. And yeah, but the pair of them, like Albanese and him, they try and be the men of the people. You're not 
You know, no, they all know. Give it up. up. They're, yeah, they're, they're definitely not. But oh, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You can't win in that situation. If he no. went in the car, you'd be criticised that he gets a you know free ride. If he didn't get in the car, what is he? How do you know he didn't win a competition? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he wrote. You want to He wrote the most letters. I must think it's awesome that that that, um, that he got in the car. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. What did, What did you guys think about the um, the advertising from Super Cheap? Oh mate, they the whoever's at the marketing department over at Super oh, Cheap. Brilliant. How awesome was that? Yeah. But I mean, if you get booted out of something like this, why do you still want to be involved in it? I think it's a it's it's. I think they're positioning themselves in, in Repco's against Repco, and I think, I think. I think they want to be seen as, um, you know, in life, if you if you lose something or you're booted out of something, if you make fun of it, I think people endear to the brand because of that. So I think I reckon people are are endeared to super cheap, and they're because t- they're taking the themselves to a certain extent. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I, I really do. I think it's a, a well, master. Well, I'd like to see him sponsor a thousand Bathurst, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, community projects. I think you should. It's very important. It'd be nice community. for them to sponsor the Talking Power podcast, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, there you go. Be drag racing would be even better. Yeah, drag racing. <laughs> something like that. Why not both, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah. Jack Perkins, Will Brown, are they the only ones in ScoMo? Are they the only ones that knew the Australian National Anthem? That, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that, that I thought. That was hilarious. <laughs> Scott Morrison looked like the only one that was singing. Oh, no, and even, Jack Perkins and Will Brown belted it out as well. But Even, yeah. uh, it was Mossy, wasn't it, doing the anthem? Yeah, 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 Mossy, yeah. Even he was like, I was like, oh, Mossy, you know, I walked in, I'm like yelling at the TV, going, Mossy, and then it was over, and I was like, oh, oh I had my hand on my heart and everything, I was standing up in the lounge room, and it was over. Oh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a great. Yeah, it'd be nice to see some of the drivers actually sing. That'd be good for once. But anyway, that's all right. That's never mind. True Blue on the Mountain. What do we think of that as well? <laughs> I bet you they all know the American anthem. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. right. They're, They're preparing themselves <laughs> for Indianapolis <laughs> and yeah. Daytona, especially Chaz and uh, Chaz. Chaz will be now. You reckon? Yeah, well, Andretti. Andretti. Yeah, Zach. Zach Brown's there as well. But, you know, I mean, how old is he? That's the other thing. Chaz, I think he's in his late 20s, if not. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah. he's got time. Still yeah. young enough. Yeah, definitely still young enough. Anyway, and True Blue on the mountain, as I said, you guys, what did you Yeah, I saw that. That was yeah. pretty good. That was the actual car from yeah. 1981. They yeah, rolled, rolled it out of the museum at the bottom of the hill. Mm, Sorry, yeah, it came yeah. off. But, yeah, they literally rolled it out of the car park and uh, fired it up and took it for a spin. Correct me if I'm wrong. Bowen's own that one. Does the the Bowen family own that one? Probably. I don't know yeah. I think they, no. I, I thought they did. Actually. I thought they owned True Blue. Dick Johnson bought a few back, but then I heard that he had to sell. Yeah. Some of them. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I thought they owned that one. But yeah. Anyway, who wants that one? You want Green's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Green's well. tough is. <laughs> yeah. The '84 championship winning car. Anyway, Bathurst yeah. is just one race. Yeah, that's right. Just one race. It's a, there's a bigger picture there. <laughs> one of the things Todd and I picked up was Chas Moster's parade lap. I, I'm not surprised he <laughs> didn't. Even today, he hasn't, he hasn't been fined for that. So he instead of going back around, they made a bit of a deal about that, didn't yeah. they? He did a parade lap. I don't think so. It's so why have they stopped that? Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. He should be able to do a parade lap. Wave yeah. to the crowd. I think it's but awesome. As 
I'm sounding big like myself here. As someone that's been to the track there, what they normally do for the Vair Supercar race, the Bathurst 1000, and all the support races they have, that's what they do. You come over the, the start-finish, and they bring you in through the well, first gate, so to speak, in the top of the car park. Hmm. And it just it makes things easier instead of going all the way across the top of the hill. So as soon as he drove past that gate, I was losing it. Because I'm like, I know what that gate is, and he, was, he wasn't stopping. And, yeah, I mean, as you and I said... People are on the track already. People are running down the track. And, know, yeah, he, yeah. and I, <laughs> he was navigating. Did you see that? He was like navigating <laughs> through the people. Like, and I'm like, he's like his Christmas shopping. Gee whiz, look at this. You know, like. What brings me to uh, a point here? Like, I mean, we. what's the top five things that Chaz Mostert was looking for on his parade lap? <laughs> Number five was your suggestion yeah. there, Todd. He was doing some Christmas shopping. It was the first time Bathurst has ever been held in December. Yes. Number four, he had the echidna in the boot and he was looking for a vet. <laughs> Number three, it was an up yours moment to Jamie Winkup, yep. proving that he had enough fuel for 162 <laughs> laps. Yeah, so I like that one. <laughs> Number two, it was another sandpaper gate moment. He was recovering the 80 grit that he deployed for SVG's Triple Eight <laughs> Commodore. Yeah. <laughs> number one, the number one reason why he did a parade lap. Antoine Di Pasquale was looking for an Uber ride back to the pits. Oh, yeah, that, that, oh, poor Antoine. Oh, it's not his fault. What can you do? Well, sorry, guys, you're going to have to fill me in on this because it was so boring I couldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> Just so, so Antoine Di Pasquale had some sort of drive line failure. So I don't know if the torque tube failed or what. Yeah. I don't know. They're not saying. Had gears, but no. Yeah. No go this no way, go. no go that way. Yeah, what did it do up into the cutting? Yeah, it was up into the cutting. Yeah, just... And just stopped. Anyway. So it was always about 15 laps to go, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. As I said, for anyone that watched the race like myself, and, well, I think... I, I just couldn't handle the coverage. Like, I'm trying to find out who's who's on the lead lap, how many pit stops, and it's like... Well, that, that's a really interesting point you bring up there, and I agree with you 100%. I find that so frustrating. You know, you, you just crap. don't know who's really leading unless there's some, you know, Russell Ingle moment or something where yeah. they, they bring up some spreadsheet or, you know, <laughs> it, it's easy. Like, every other sport does it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it needs to be like a, some sort of, uh, yeah, I, I, I share a leaderboard, frustration. A leaderboard well. that shows compulsory pit stop, compulsory driver change, compulsory yep. brake change. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's all you been know. ticked off and, you know, or where they are in the, like, some some sort of, like, because Bryce Forward was leading there with, like, 10 laps to go, but he was certainly yeah. not the leader. Yeah. But people would have tuned in and said, oh, look at Bryce Forward who's going to win yeah. this race. <laughs> But yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And that needs to be looked at. It's from a from a entertainment point of view, I think you can bring more fans into the sport if you made that abundantly clear who was leading the race in real terms, yes. not in on the track. Because on the track means nothing; it doesn't mean anything at the time if they haven't gone through their pit cycle. Yeah, or they have projected laps to run. So we all know that those cars can do, I think it's 24 laps. Yeah. You know, back in the day, those cars used to do 32 laps of Bathurst. Yeah. On that bombshell. <laughs> we'll take it, 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 on that, yes, good point. Anyway, we need to congratulate Chaz Mostert yeah. and um, Lee Holdsworth uh, for a great Bathurst victory. They, um, they sort of led from... Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And they were thir- third favourites. Pole position. That pole yeah. lap was magnificent. Yeah. The, top, the top 10 shootout was quite entertaining, I must say, on Saturday yeah. afternoon. Oh, I really enjoyed that, the top 10 shootout. Um, yeah, I think Walkinshaw and Dreddy really tuned that car up to... Yeah. I think they had all their eggs in the Bathurst bar- basket from probably two or three months ago, really, to be yeah. honest. I, I think they openly said that. Mm, yep, yep. And that car's been sold, by the way. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So it's been sold to a Super 2 team. I cannot remember their names, but they will be racing that. Not next year. That The car still stays in the Wilkinshaw Injury Stable for next year, huh. but they'll take control of that car in 2023 in a Super 2 team. Nice. So congratulations to them. But uh, so overall, a good race. Um, the last 60 laps especially. I reckon the first 100 you could have skipped through. Hmm. Echidna, very Australian. <laughs> I'll tell a, you what, that was pretty close, but wasn't it? Oh, poor little bugger. I've got a friend of mine in the UK. is more Australian. A friend of mine in the UK who was watching it, she messaged me. She goes, only in Australia would you get that? And I'm like, she goes, you had albino kangaroo and an echidna in the same day. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to Australia. Hi. But anyway... Who've had rocks on the track, kangaroos. Mm. Yeah. the farmer that used to cross halfway through the road? Yeah, 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 that's right. Anyway. Get to the other paddock. But, um, <laughs> but I say, I'll leave you on this note. Question without notice from Nick. Yes. I know Nick. Next podcast, mm. we're going to discuss drivers to watch next year in supercars because I reckon there's a changing of the guard happening as we speak oh yeah 100% right so yeah yeah. Will Brown he's going to be on fire next year next, next weekend Brody Kostecki yep all the first podcast of the year well our next podcast is we'll talk about that now that we released on the 21st of September we're doing a special Christmas December. podcast it's December December December. September. September. God. Wait, wait, what's September? 21st of December. (laughs) We'll be doing our special Christmas podcast. So I'm looking forward to that. So that'll be released on, we're recording that on the 20th. Looking forward to that. We can do a shout out to Brody Kostiki too. Yeah, massive Awesome job. Awesome job. Yep. Yep. He gave it, I mean, him getting, did you see that moment we went around Van Gisbergen there? I slapped the wall. Tell you what, that could have really, it was. Well, SVG, couldn't he give him a little bit more room? Mm, no. He wasn't off to the left enough. No. No. No, clearly not, no. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, no, never mind. It's, it's hey, it would have been worse if it was a Ford. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, congratulations to Chas Mostert uh, and Lee Holdsworth. I think they did a magnificent job. A magnificent job, yes. Cam Walters. And um, uh, young James Moffat did also a magnificent job in, yes. in second place. I thought their drive was was pretty special as well. Yeah. So, all right, on that note, we'll take a short break here and we'll be back with more of the Talking Power podcast right after this. Okay, Talking Power podcast episode 126. Coming to you live and dangerous. Not really live. Recorded live. What does that mean, recorded live? It just means it was recorded. Live. <laughs> no one died. No <laughs> it's actually recorded in front of a live studio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's someone in the background. No, no one died in the audience. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Hey, you guys, both of you went to the Golden States. You want to give us a bit of a review of what happened there? I didn't go. Oh, okay. <laughs> I went. Brendan went. Brendan. <laughs> I just crunched the numbers from home. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got the slide rule out. Here's the numbers. It was hot. 
It was hot that, hours. that Saturday. Extremely hot. We're at the Aussie Park show. I, yeah. yeah, it was hot. And the breeze didn't come in until late, so mm. it was quite unpleasant for most of the day. And um, the track was suffering as yep. a result. Yeah, I think the track temp, the ambient temp was nearly 58, nearly 60 degrees. Wow. And um, yeah, it was definitely a challenge for the cars to get down, especially the radial cars. Mm. They having one of those afternoons. Um, but yeah, it was a good turnout. It was a good day of racing. Um, I was trackside for most of it. Yeah. In the heat of the day, I was hiding in the pits, but come out when the when the sun went down. So yeah, it actually turned out to be a really good day of racing. Mm. A few, few upsets, some I'm saying, and the big tyre cars. And um, yes. I've got I've got my list of big winners and big losers. Far away. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, obviously the the, the biggest winner is is uh, uh, Moresby, mm. right? Yep. You know, great to see them win. But I think an even bigger winner was Pino Priolo to uh, come out of retirement and uh, take out the giant slayers, what we should call him, take mm-hmm. out Zapier. Well, I mean, I mean, Zap said you know later that. Pino didn't beat him, he, he beat himself. But nonetheless, he was the guy in the other lane. He was the one that, that, that took the, the W. So uh, great to see that. Great to see him make it all the way through to the finals. And, yeah, he, he's definitely, uh, I think, the winner of the event, the biggest winner. Biggest loser of the event, uh, Gordon Crawford. Because if I did my maths right, so because it was an Andrew event, most of the classes we're running the Andrew format, but for some reason, Outlaw Radial, that was a given that, that they were going to stick to the three-round format. But for some reason, Comp Bike were as well. I'm not sure whether the, the Comp Bike racers voted for that because they had 10 entrants, so they had plenty of people in the field to run traditional eliminations. But my, by my calculations, had we have run traditional eliminations, Gordon Crawford would have won the event um, and uh, he didn't make the finals. Mm, so Okay. Um, I, uh, I I messaged him all that data so he could review it, but I haven't heard back from him. So, it's a good guy, Gordon. He is a good guy. He's, He's a good guy. guy, moving man. Yeah, he's a nice guy. But yeah, no, I just wanted to get you. But what what are your thoughts, both of you, on the two day meet? Where are we at with it? There's a lot of talk uh, on the two day meet. A uh, Friday, I, I think a two day meet does work. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Agree. I didn't even get there to the, on the Friday because I was still at work, and I, I don't know what the turnout was like. Um, it was pretty quiet on the Saturday, but if you compared it to like a Saturday and Sunday, I think you know, it works better for people that work Monday to Friday. And mm. I don't know, you know, for the people getting cars ready and that sort of thing, that would have to take probably more than one day off to get a car ready to get down there on the Friday. Um, yeah, for me, I'd prefer it Saturday and Sunday. I think. Mm. Yeah. I, I um so I got a bit to say and and it's not my words so a I'm not going to say his word because his name because I I haven't got his permission uh, but we spent a long time talking about this he's a, a media personality um, that's in the drag racing scene uh, has been for a long time and he watched the event in uh, from home uh, on the east coast and. He made the comment that there was just way too many gaps and that they dragged it out. Um, now, I didn't watch it live. I was, I was busy caring for my, my um, youngest. But I did consider during the course of the day and, and, you know, on the Friday, 
should I take the kids down? You know, I really want them to experience drag racing. And it's, it's very, like, you know, this is the first time that I've been in this situation where I've got two young children. Most people are my age, their, their kids are grown up now. They're, they're driving and doing their own thing. Some are even racing, you know. And uh, here is the problem that I see. So we watched the um, drag racing in Western Australia... Uh, be transformed from the the days at uh, Ravenswood Barn and get, and get turned into this, you know, f- we're sold on this family thing. Um, if you've got young kids, um, and you're going to go through this if you're not already going through it, um, you know, under the age of, say, I don't know, 10, um, you want to get them in bed by around 7.30 because that's when Fat Cat goes to bed. And everyone knows that, Kids have got to go to bed when Fat Cat goes to bed, yeah? Mm. So for me, looking at it from that perspective, if they had events that finished at, you know, four or five, there would be a higher likelihood of me going and bringing my kids. Um, the the two-day deal, does it work? Does it not work? I think that uh, if we go back and just say, look, you know, it's not going to work as a family-friendly thing, you know, and, and you know, realistically... A kid that's 15, 16, I guarantee you he's seen pretty much everything there is to see because of the internet these days, right? I think that if we're going to run two-day events, maybe start them later when it's cooler. Um, Bunch it up more, you know, like don't have gaps between each lap, which was, you know, the the media guy on the East Coast, that was the thing that was frustrating him. um, And, you know, he had something really positive to say. He, he thought that out of all the commentary crew, and like I said, I, I didn't see the commentary, but he thought that uh, Corey Marriott did an outstanding job and he had nothing but accolades uh, for Corey. So shout out to Corey. You know, if you're getting that level of person saying that you're doing a good job, then you must be doing a good job. So he thought that what Corey was doing was making it bearable but at the end of the day, they should have just run the cars. Hmm. I, I don't know whether they were scared they were going to get through the cars too quick or, or what the story was. There was a comment made uh, by someone else that's involved in drag racing in Australia that, uh, like heavily involved in that, that end of it, and he said that they were caught out by surprise because they're so used to running the three-round format that they didn't realise when the next round came. Uh, but we used to schedule that. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. We'd actually have a, a set time for each you know, lap, mm-hmm. um, so you could schedule it to the minute, uh, much the same as when you're shooting a movie, you have mm-hmm. a schedule like that for each scene. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like I said, I didn't watch it live. I'm looking forward to seeing the TV coverage because I think, you know, like I said, the upsets, a lot of stuff to talk about, some great results, great to see so many races from over east competing and great to see big fields, you know, in in all the classes you know so um i think it's a good thing they've got the nitro max this weekend i believe yeah um see how that pans out hopefully the crowd comes in because that was the one disappointing thing that the races that i spoke to on monday said there just wasn't any crowd there it was quiet yeah so i don't know if that was advertising um because of the heat um not a hundred percent sure comparing the crowds the last two events to the all forward day it, it, it very much doesn't seem to follow the trend of what's happening out there in other car events 
It seems like other car events are getting record crowds, regardless of the weather. I mean, the all-four day, all day we were expecting it to rain, um, but the crowds, I mean, they, they smashed their, their, mm. their record early on. The guy, the, the organiser came over to tell us, he goes, I can't believe it. I just can't get my head around how many people are walking through the gate. So the Motorplex hasn't, hasn't followed that. It could be the advertising. I, I, the ads, you know, I, I think that they should have a crack at, at running the old con migro style mm. ads, you know, with the burnout. Because I think for a lot of people, they identify with that sound and then want to listen to the rest of the ad. Yeah. Um, the current ones, it's very easy to miss the timing of them, you know, where they've put them, the stations that they've put them on. I don't know. I don't know if it's really, you know, mm. working out for them. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I just run my mind back to Western Nationals. Western Nationals has always been a Saturday-Sunday event. Sunday's packed, given the Monday's a public holiday in Western Australia. But then I'd take my mind back to the Andrew Grand Final a few years ago, and that was a Saturday-Sunday event as well. And Monday was not a public holiday. Again, now, that was in April. Admittedly, that was in April, but it was, so it was a bit cooler. But the Sunday was packed, absolutely packed, that place, the motorplex. Do you think it's become too expensive to go to? Well, that's another issue. I think, I think we're taking... I think a lot of people out there, not, I'm not saying struggling... But I think uh, are watching their money because that was a comment that I, I I heard a lot was that it had gone up considerably. So I don't know what the gate is now, but um, people that went as spectators were saying it's gone up at the gate. It's gone up for the kids. The food's gone up. The drinks gone up. So you know that the overall thing um, is a lot more expensive. I don't know. How, how much was it to get into the all four day? No, was it 10 or... No, I can't remember. We did the ad for it. Because I can't even remember now. I can't either. That, that's, you know... Uh, while we look this up, I was about to say, shout out to our Speedway fans that we, again, don't give enough love to, but we do always enjoy stories. How, how are the Speedway crowds? I was, about, I was talking to a Speedway driver on the weekend, actually, and he was saying that the crowds are down for them as well. Yeah. Like they... And but if they put the gate price up for them as well? He said they had, and again, they... He said it's a bit frustrating, like, you got to sort of jump in the car and do a lap around the speedway track. And, like, the seated areas used to be full. He goes, now there's big pockets. And he goes, even the grass, it'd be full of picnic... Ten bucks. Ten, Ten bucks, sorry. Yeah. Ten dollars. Yeah, picnic, picnic blankets and the whole lot. And what's like, it cost to get into the motorplex now? Let's have a look. But, yeah, he was saying the crowds, to him, looked down... And then he goes, it actually detracts a bit from... Because, well, even the entry fees have gone up. Like, they want to take the car down. It's, well, you need the fuel, of course. You yeah, need, yeah, You need your crew. You know, you got to feed the crew. And he goes, you know, it's a couple of grand just to run... And he's just running a super sedan or stock sedan. Oh, mate, it's, you know, it's... But, a, like, when I was racing, it was a 1000 bucks to run a super street car. Yeah, so. but... And I don't think that that's yeah, changed. But he said it's gone up, and then you get there and the spectators aren't there, it kind of, yeah, what do you do? Whereas he said he went to Carnarvon the other day because it actually had a bigger crowd in Carnarvon than it did at, well, Motorplex. Well, it looks like it ranges from $32 for an adult to... That's gold. $50. It used to be, from memory, it used to be 42 or 44 So there you go, silver $40 gets you in the pits. So $40, that's... Um, it's, yeah, that, I don't think that has gone up. I think it's been forty dollars for the last for the last uh, couple of years. But by the time you know, you what's the football up, cost? 
Uh, footy's more than that. Footy's actually more than that. And so, you know, I mean, maybe that's... It is what it is. I, I just think that, you know, I, I don't want to... I don't think everyone's going... We've had this COVID situation here and everyone's saying high-fiving each other how well WA's going. Not everyone's going well. And on that note, we're going to take a short break here and we'll be back with more from the Talking Power podcast episode 126 right after this. Okay, Talking Power podcast episode 126 and we are going to change gears a bit here. Now, I don't want to get too controversial. I don't know if you guys actually caught this and i just want to know what your your, your thoughts are simon you've seen oh, mate, that. I, I actually contacted flinty uh after it was posted because boris showed it to me mm. so i'll just explain to you guys do you want to do the lead in and then i'll tell you exactly what's happened here Don't try this at home. Oh. It's a lot. Oh, shit. Okay, so he's, he's got a power glide in it. Um, wait for the photo. I thought that was a bit of an unwritten rule that you in reverse it. <laughs> it's a no-no. It's worse it never than ends, that. It never it's, ends it's, well. it's way worse than that when you do the maths on it. So there's the there's the transmission. Oh wow. Oh geez, that's nasty. Yeah. Okay, now they're the clutches, right? And you notice that there's nothing around those clutches. <laughs> Right. Uh, there was at some stage a drum, a cast iron drum that was wrapped around those clutches. So, um, obviously cast iron, you know, it's not the strongest material, but there's plenty of, that was a look like an eight clutch deal, so it'd be like an 1150 horsepower power glide. Plenty of seven second cars running around eight second cars with that type of transmission. Um, what was different about that? Well, that drum in first gear is stationary, and then when you select second gear, it turns at engine speed. Most guys run at a power glide, you know, 7,000, 8,000, 8,500 RPM, that's what they turn them to. So that's the fastest that drum sees. When you're in reverse, <laughs> the rear clutch pack is activated, and the shaft driving through the centre of that drives directly on the planetary and the ring gear is stationary and that drum is freewheeling. It freewheels at two and a half times the engine speed. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually put together a gear train and because and, I said, mm, I don't know, I've never done anything like that before, but let's work it out. So let's say the limiter, let's assume it was an LS, I don't know if it was, let's assume the limiter was at 7,000. Anyone want to tell me what 7,000, like two and a half is? Uh, 17,500 yeah. RPM. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think the cast iron drum was ever designed to spin at 17,500 RPM. 
Can I ask a question then? Mm-hmm. Like, Brendan, you seem to know that that was a no-no. You just see it. Like, every time someone tries to do that in reverse and they stay in it, that happens. <laughs> but remember, I remember back to the Keeps days me of... in business. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember back to... So is it a no... A no in, with glides? Power glides, yeah. Yeah, in particular. So... Uh, Turbo 400, no issue? I, I, you know, look, I haven't done the maths because, you know, you're not allowed to do burnouts in reverse. Yes, we saw many, many <laughs> moons ago uh, Darren, Darren Bodle yeah. at uh, Belmont Park. Um, he went straight from third to reverse and then back to third. Um, <laughs> and nothing untoward happened. Uh, you know, maybe, but... I would need to do the maths on it. And physically what you need to do is get the gear train, make it work like it's in reverse and count what's turning at what speed. Um, you know, I mean... <laughs> yeah, that's a massive That's a massive fire too. Yeah. I mean, that's some hot oil coming out of there. There's, there's different mindsets on how you judge a burnout. And I've had people tell me that, you know, I won't use the exact words because it involves a lot of swearing, but, but the, there are some people that believe that the more carnage, um, you know, the better the burnout. There um, is that belief. Yeah, which as often, I've often pondered the thought, well, after you get the tyres out, do you go there with 20 litres of fuel and set the car alight? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Something that will like, give you extra points or... I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I support the burnout scene. Um, I think that the, that uh, there's some amazing burnouts that I've seen, and and at every show there's burnouts that that stand out. Um, there are a set of rules. As far as I know, you're not allowed to do that. It's a, it's an instant disqualification. Um, but you know, mechanically, there's a reason why I wouldn't do it with a power client. Yeah, okay, righto. I just remember back to Darren Bodle days, like that was common practice. He was know. the first to do it at Belmont yeah. Park. But that that whole burnout that he did at Belmont Park, um, you know, the leading road was the width of one car, mm. and he was doing donuts on it. Mm. I've got know. that on VHS. I was there, filmed it with VHS. It, it was. Uh, you know, but but I remember another burnout that I was equally blown away. Uh, it was a XD, I believe. Uh, I'm trying to remember the guys, like the the, the, the name of the car, um, but it was just an insane tip in. He used a whole pad, and um, you know, it was just one of those burnouts. Rago, I think. Oh yeah, Rago. Yeah. Maybe it was an XF. I don't know. It was a, it was a Falcon XD mm. to XF. Was it a sedan or a U- Sedan, I think. Okay. Anyway, he backed it into the corner and he did touch the wall, but it, it looked like it was ballet. You know what I mean? It was that well orchestrated, um, but because he touched the wall, he was disqualified. Mm. But the actual burnout itself, for me, I still to this day haven't seen a burnout like that. You know, uh, you know, and then you get the professionals like um, uh, Myers, mm, yeah. um, where you know that that thing just the the Mustang. The few times that I saw that door burn out, it just looked like you know th- this is the difference between Leonardo DiCaprio and your kid at a school play. You know what mm. I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was just amazing. You know, the car control, everything, the way you use the pad, 
just yeah so yeah I, I don't know I mean I wouldn't want to be a burnout judge because um, I, I prefer where there's a finish line and you know what here's the thing though right we've seen some of that drift the other way from the burnout scene to the drag so for example the three round format right the results in the third round um, counts more than, than, you know, pretty much the rest of the race. So let's take an example where there's the, everyone's on one point, right, for whatever reason, okay? And we go into the final round um, and you're on two points, right? It would be wiser of you to try and red light or, or break out because your package the way that the rules are written will be better if you red light than it will be if you cut a light. Okay. Right? And you will potentially go to the final even though you've red lit, broken out, you know, which doesn't make any sense to me, but that's the way the rules are written. Okay, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> yeah, that, so, that, so they've, they've taken... So Gary Miosevic started this system, the three-round format, Mm-hmm. Uh, for top comp and it was so that the crowd could get to see more blown cars and he also he coupled it with this other thing that you know a lot of drag racers were involved with including Ian Jenkins called the personal index system this is all gone by the way this has been gone for a long time the way the personal index system worked was at the beginning of the season they took the national index mm-hmm. and this is the old Andrews system which um, had this this very um, very uh, <laughs> like uh, elaborate system uh, formula for calculating the indexes and that, that that formula was derived on the basis that if you had a class that was uh, there were a lot of people racing in then the index would say soft if you saw that there was a soft class and built a car for it and went and killed it your index would be hard because you'd be the only guy running in it so classes like g gas were popular because the index was relatively soft it was achievable as opposed to other classes. Anyway, so the way the personal index system worked was at the beginning of the season, you got the national index plus a half a second, right? And your index didn't change for that meeting. But then the next meeting, if you went really well, you would have a new personal index. And it wasn't for your class, it was for you, right? So what would happen is if you were working to get your car quicker and and driving better, Towards the end of the season, there was a good chance you were going to end up in the final, you know, because the other guys would have hammered their index. Mm. And it worked really well because the the three-round format and the personal index system uh, um, and having just the blown cars running in in comp allowed the blown cars to do lots of laps. It allowed the guys to uh, understand and learn more about their cars and it rewarded people that were actually doing well. You know, um, rather than saying, oh, he's still slow for that particular class. It's like, yeah, but he's improved dramatically from when he started, you know. Mm. Whereas the adaptation of that to bracket racing and all the changes that they've made, um, it, it just, what you end up doing is what's happening now where you reward mediocrity. Um, you know, even changing the qualifying order from ET to reaction time, which is something that... Um, uh, is, is being dragged along from the east coast it's not about the reaction time it's mm. about the bloody et or else you'll end up with a you know like 
people going, well, you know what? It, it doesn't matter whether I run 10.99 or 8.50. I'll build a car that runs 10.99. Mm. You know, it's going to be more consistent on the start line. Everyone's going to be chasing me. And I'll just work on the reaction time during qualifying until I get a triple zero and I'll top qualify. Yeah. It's, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work in this incarnation. And that's why I've always felt that, you know, we've had a, a, a strong growth in the sport over the last 40, 50 years. And it's because we had a set of rules that didn't change much over the last 30 years and and these changes now they're not really you can't say oh wow look at how many extra competitors we got you know if anything you got competitors that go to one or two meetings and go i'm trying to figure out how i didn't end up in the final i won my three races you know that guy red lit like i don't i don't get it what you know um whereas eliminations is pretty simple yeah. you know yeah of course same with the full tree versus the pro tree it's confusing for the crowd mm. because pro tree you associate with a class where they leave at the same time and whoever gets to the finish line finishes first professional you know like top door slammer top alcohol etc to have a staggered pro tree in comp it's like no, this is a Group 2 class. This isn't mm. a Group 1 class. They shouldn't be afforded that luxury. It shouldn't even be in Supercharged Outlaws. The reason it's in Outlaws is because people accused other people of cheating using delay boxes and so on. The reality is that those people were just better drivers. Mm. And, you know, the cream will always rise to the top. People, will, people that are persistent will always find a way, you know, to, to run with the rules to win. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... Anyway, let's just... On that, we'll take a short break here. We'll be back with more Formula One right after this. Hey, moving right along, Formula One. I don't know if you guys caught the race. It was in the wee hours of the evening. Uh, But I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that track. That track is no... To me, it was crap. Wasn't this the first race? Yeah. Yeah, first race they've ever had there. So you're not a fan as as of... No, it's a crap. (laughs) No. As of this race. I'm with Nick. No, it's a shit track. Is it? Sorry. Is it the sand? Have you got something against sand? There was no sand there. No, it's just... It's designed by some idiot in AutoCAD, and they've gone, this would be good, you know, this would be technical, but they haven't put a race car on the track and gone, well, that doesn't work. It didn't work at all. That first corner was you know was you, you guys seem to forget that the the United States Grand Prix, the Grand Prix of America, used to be in a car park, a, a shopping center car park. Yeah, and and you yeah. were complaining about it. Freaking work, but <laughs> but but this was no, this was it. I don't know. That first corner was just inviting. That had written all over it. Here, run me wide, and uh, I'll cut you off. It was just—it's so it was just the the track design and where Michael Schumacher, Mick Schumacher, and Charles Leclerc came unstuck. Again, that also invites an, a massive oversteer, understeer, oversteer opportunity as well. Yeah. No, I didn't like the track, but anyway, the result was good. We've got the two protagonists going into the last tied race. Tied points. Yeah. Tied, yeah. tied yeah. points. Tied points. How that is incredible. We are going that into the last absolutely round. Absolutely incredible. Cannot wait for next <clears throat> Sunday, ten past nine. 
Uh, I was saying to the guys before, we, we should try and find somewhere where we can watch yeah. it. We're going to look into where we can go watch it. Hamilton's going to win. You're look, right. I mean, I, I'm... <laughs> What did I say today? Again, in our private chat, I said. So, in the event of, in <laughs> yeah. the event of them, if I can't they, repeat anything you said. <laughs> in the event of them both not finishing, uh, Max Verstappen will take the championship because yeah. he's amassed nine wins. So, if, wins the, if Verstappen does a, uh, can I say it? I'm already kicked off. Have to say it. Does a Schumacher or a uh, Senna and takes the uh, rival out? He's got the championship. Didn't Mansell do something like yeah, that? Later? Yeah, sorry, Mansell and... Mansell, yeah. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was a Prost, and Prost got... No, it was Prost and Senna. Oh, Prost, Prost and Senna. That was... I mean, that one... Yeah. What was the one with the tyre marks on the body? That was actually Damon Hill and uh, Mick Schumacher. That, Mick Schumacher. Oh, was That's it? right. Yeah. yeah. But, look, I mean, th- those ones... Michael Schumacher one was a lot more obvious. Yeah. Than, 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 but Erd and Senna and, and Alain and Prost, that was... You can yeah. see that one. That was, yeah. I don't think that one was as obvious. But this, this, yeah. I'll, I'll, how I'll, how I'll, bad does Red Bull want the win? Well. Where is the last Grand Prix anyway? Uh, it is in, oh, shit. I, I was racking my brain too. Abu Dhabi. Oh, oh is it? Yeah, Abu Dhabi, yeah. Yes, Abu Dhabi. Yep. So it's next Sunday, 10 past 9 for WA viewers and... What do you think about the new drivers for next season? The new Formula One. Oh yeah, look, um, the the Chinese driver Guanaju. I think that's I think that's how you say. It. Uh, what are you looking at me for? I, had I can't a jo- remember how to pronounce. I his had a name, joke, but... and I was just going to be quiet. Was... Now, nah, what do I think of him? <laughs> uh, I don't look. I mean, he's finishing second in Formula Two, and he's getting a drive. The guy that's winning is going to be a test driver. I don't know. Doesn't it's sit right silly. with me. Yeah. Sorry, but that's the, the proof to... I think what you're trying to you indicate suddenly realised that... Yeah, it's money. It's <laughs> but this... The the, the, the Chinese driver, Guanaju... Surely he's not the only new driver. Yeah, he's so far. <laughs> Parents invested in Pfizer. <laughs> they, they knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, replacing Antonio Giovinazzi. Which is sad in itself, because I'd like to see... Antonio Giovinazzi, he's the only Italian out there. Well, exception of Daniel Ricciardo, I guess. But <laughs> but anyway, he's going to be replaced by Valtteri Bottas. So that's the, the only new driver that's coming in for next year at this stage. And Oscar Piastri will have a um, his test driver for Alpine. Yeah. I think, look, looking ahead, I think Fernando Alonso, he won't do 2023. Surely not. He's contracted for 2022. He'll be done and dusted by 2023. He'll be out, and Oscar Piastri will have that drive. He'll have Fernando Alonso's car in 2023. And I think, you know, that might be a good thing as well. I think, you know, Fernando might might bring some, you know, some benefits to that team in the next in the next 12 months as well. Yeah. He's pushing pretty hard. Look, just quickly, I went to Italian Car Day and also the Ferrari Owners Car Club national pass to run as well so i've been doing all things in the with the italian cars uh they were great two great events actually uh one was held they're both held in the swan valley actually so no they were great days out and uh, go to the talking power website you can see all the photos there really enjoyable day out uh got to spend the day with marco in the 124 in the spider that was good good fun traveling through the countryside 
and uh, actually Dino and Tony came along as well in the uh, Arbath. So, in the Arbath. Yeah, they had a... They were enjoying the creature comforts of air conditioning. <laughs> I was sweating it out. But anyway, it was a good day. Well, right a cute little car, though. It is. <laughs> and goes like a, like the clappers. The Arbath or, oh, or Marco's no. car? Well, both. Both. But, geez, I couldn't believe how quick that little thing is. They must have uh, sorted it out. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was uh, certainly moving out. Hey, just a quick shout out, Sunset at Hearn Hill, come and see us on the 2nd of January, uh, we'll be at the Sunset at Hearn Hill, that's at the Swan Athletic Sporting Club, love to see you there, the radio station will be on the, uh, will be broadcasting from there, so looking forward to that, it's great to see everyone at the Aussie Park show, and I'm looking forward to the Christmas podcast, that will be released Tuesday the 21st of December, so make sure you tune in for that one there, the four of us will be giving our closing thoughts for the for the year 2021 yes all right guys well thanks for that thanks for coming in and uh we'll see you guys very soon <laughs> see you then. all right i don't know Take see you bye talk and power your motorsport and motoring radio show now on 88.5 fm the valley comes alive and podcasting across itunes and talkandpower.com.au